You know, when I, when I think about the decisions that I made over my lifetime, I remember, and, and some of the decisions that you make that, that if, you, if, you pull the, if you pull the thread back on them, and they make such a big difference a few, a few years down the road. Some of the, the, the decisions that, we, that may have come to your mind as, as, as I challenged you with this um, were, were good decisions. Some of them were not so good. Uh, the mistakes that we've made over the years, we, we, they kind of have, have a way of haunting us. But usually those are based upon a decision that we've made somewhere, a choice that we've made somewhere in our lives. Um, the cool thing is, and the, and the great thing is, is that, that we're not done. You know? We're in here together. That means we're, not, uh, we're, we're, on, the, we're, we're on the right side of the grass. Okay? We still have time to make good decisions. Okay? Some of us have more time than others. Uh, that's, that's, just the, that's just the way things are. Uh, I remember a decision that I made, a personal decision I made, uh, I remember after I'd, uh, uh, I was a young Marine and I'd given my heart to Christ, I had said yes to God, okay? I was a fairly, uh, um, I was a new Christian, so I ha- still had lots of barnacles, lots of barnacles, if you understand my meaning there. And I uh, still probably have more than, I, more than I'd, uh, I'd like to admit to, but uh, I remember thinking this, I mean, I'd, I'd been in the Marine Corps about a year, and uh and um, I came from a I came from a, a hometown. It was Southern Ohio, and where everything was like lots of industry and, and unions and things like that. And my father was a uh, he had a seventh grade education, and uh, uh, he was a laborer, and it was in the labor union. And so I grew up in this environment that if you if you just had a trade, which is not a which which is a really good thing, a trade, and you know, you were trained, and you could go do something, and you were set. I remember I gave my heart to Christ, and the, the military had trained me in, as a metal worker, so I was a, I was a, I was a budding welder, and I could do those kind of things and uh, manipulate steel, and I liked it. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, I said, man, I got it made. I've given my heart to Christ, so the sin thing is done. I mean, I'm, that was the big thing. And on top of that, I have a trade. And I, you know, I, you know, I could just kind of like, I'm going to do this, do this. But the Holy Spirit, at, even I remember the moment He says, "Not so fast. I have more." I said, "I'm up for that." It was a decision that ultimately brought me here and many other places, and ultimately, uh, you know, had a whole lot to do with uh, who I married. You know, that one decision to say, "God, okay." Not my way, but yours. You know? I won't follow this little track that I think just kind of like, it's really just kind of cleaned up. I can do this. I've got my, you know, I'm saved. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian now. The sin issue's gone. And, uh, and I've got this other thing. I can do this. I'm good. Okay? He said, not so fast. I have more. And I said, okay. As simple as a decision like that is, it weighs heavily on where you end up and what you do. Now, everybody's got their own decisions and own choices that they need to make. Um, and I've been talking about choices, and this is kind of like the last of, uh, of a series. Uh, 
and we've been talking about the role of choices in our lives and how choices that we made in the past created the present that we're now living in, okay? And I've spoken about God's guidance in the choices we make and the pressure. I've talked about the pressure that we face in making good choices, and I've talked about the freedom to choose. And I want to talk to you just briefly this morning about the future, okay? The future, and I'm not talking about, I'm not, gonna, I'm not using Revelation today, the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel. I just want to talk about the future and what, what's really before you. Because you know, you know the past is gone. The past is gone. You can't do anything about that. Now, you can go make an amends with people. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, sometimes we need to go make amends with people, don't we? Anybody perfect here? Anybody not offended or hurt somebody in the past? I, I, you know, okay? Sometimes we have to go clean up our messes. Is that okay? Some messes we can't clean up, but the ones we can, we're a little bit like Zacchaeus. What did he say? Look, if I've defrauded anybody, I'll replace and I'll return and I'll add to it. Okay? Not a bad thing. It's an important thing. It's an important thing. All right. Um, Choices are powerful. Even not making choices is a choice. You understand what I mean by that? By choosing not to go, when the light turns green, somebody might hit you. Okay? I'm teasing a little bit, but even not making a choice is a choice. Okay? Now, the, here's the passage that we've kind of been using. We, we, kind of, we teed off on this weeks ago. It's Joshua, the 24th chapter. And, and let me just read some of it. Uh, and and I've, I'm starting with uh, chapter, th- uh, chapter 24, verse 13. And remember, the setting here is that, that Joshua has kind of, the, you know, the people, the, the children of Israel are finally delivered into the, the, the promised land. All their hopes and their dreams, the things that Moses had talked about and said, here it is, this is where we're going. Here's the vision. You're going to have a land that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, you've been in slavery for how long and you've not had a place to call your home? I want you to know there's a three-bedroom, two-bath ranch on the other side of, uh, of the Jordan River and, and, and you didn't build it, but you're going to get to live there. Okay? I'm paraphrasing. Not bad if, if, all you, if you've been walking around in the desert for the last 40 years living in tents. He said, he said there will be vineyards, there will be these kind of things, there will be fields that you didn't plant, but I'm going to give them to you. And it happened. It all happened. And Joshua, now he's getting old. Anybody feel old today? Joshua was feeling old, and he said, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, the cities which you had not built, and you've lived in them. You're eating of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Thou therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it's disagreeable, in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice. How about that? Even though God has been good to them and blessed them and had given them so much, they still had a choice. Joshua was pushing them them to that place where he's saying, make a choice. Choose. Quit playing around. We all need that message, don't we? Quit playing around. We live in a world with, with all kinds of things pulling at us to the left and to the right. Good things, perhaps. Bad things, evil things, things that we wrestle with on the inside that would pull us in the wrong direction. And God is saying that I have blessed you, I have strengthened you, I have given you homes, I've given you families, I've taken away your sin, I've given you joy, I've filled you with the Holy Spirit, all of these things and more, but choose. See, that's where he's going. So, and I'm saying, choose. We need to choose. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to be able to choose. And God gives us that. Not without, not without some kind of like difficulties. I, we talked about that. In, in a, in a, in a, I spoke of that in a previous, a previous lesson, a previous sermon. But let's, what, is, what has God gotten for me? What does he have for me? I, I don't know if that's the question. What's the preferred future? It's like... You know, people really want to know the future, don't they? They run up there to, to, to Lilydale, sit down with somebody with a crystal ball. Do they even have those anymore? You know? Or a set of cards, and they'll lay them out. And Everybody wants to know. They read the horoscope. What's going to happen to me today? As if the stars really, really have anything to do with it. God is saying, I am your future. Okay? He says, choose. Choose. People are interested. We all want to know. We want to know, you know, what's going to happen next week, right? Next month, what's going to happen? Now, what's, and, and this brings me to the question, what's God's preferred picture or my, for, for what's his preferred future for me? I, it can't be exactly like yours, and everybody's different. And you wonder, how does God juggle all of that? Does he really care? Thomas Jefferson, as much as we like Thomas Jefferson, he was a deist. He said, you know, you know God just kind of created everything, gave the world a spin, and said, you're on your own. That tells me he, what, what he really thought was that God didn't really want, he was not big enough to be able to interfere and to impact the daily lives of people. But yet the scripture tells me that, that he says, even the hairs on your head are numbered. I can't get my, just because I can't get my head around how big God is, doesn't mean that he's not big. You understand that it's just like well, here we, we, we wrestle with this whole idea of reducing God to our understanding. When, when the scriptures are real clear, he says, look, not even the sparrows that fall from the sky uh, fall unnoticed by God. Okay? These are things that you and I uh, just, we, we can't number. And so because we can't number them, we say, God, you're, 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 you're that small. But the scripture tells us he's that big and that, that he does have a preferred future for you and for me. Okay? 
Now, the thing that I can, that I can isolate and identify here for you today are the general principles and the things that, that, that tell us what's the kind of future that God wants for us. You know, I'm not here to tell you what color of socks that God prefers for you to wear on Sunday morning. You know, I would say black. (laughs) But I don't think he cares. I really don't. Whatever, please. You want to wear a purple hat, wear a purple hat. I don't think it matters. Oh, no, that's a red hat. Everyone's different, yet there are some things in Scripture, when it comes to God's preferred future for you, uh, God's perfect will for you. Everyone's different. And, and, let's, we'll, we'll, and I'm going to make sure that you know the, 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 the sense of the passage that, well, I'm not going to take things out of context, but we get the idea of what kind of God he is and what he thinks of his people. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, now, the context here is that Israel was in captivity. This was a bad situation. This was not a good place for the people to be in. But let's, let's hear what God says to them, even though they're, they're in another nation because they're, they're in, in a sense, in slavery. They've been deported from their own land. That's not a good thing. Yet God still had a plan for them, even in a bad place. He said, now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into, into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim, we'll just go right on through there, move on down to, to um, uh, uh, verse 11. He says, for I know the plans I have to, he's speaking to people who are in exile. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord's plan for, plans for welfare, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and, and, and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore to you your fortunes, and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places. And we see this has had now, this was a specific incidence with the people of Israel, right? It's got a, a specific historical, a specific time uh, uh, setting, but we see that God is aware. God is aware. God knows. He knows where you are, even if you're in a bad place. Even if in the bad place that you're in, it's because of what you did. God knows where you are and still has a good plan for you. I believe that. This is, in a sense, God is revealing who he is in relationship to the people that he loves and cares for. And you are his church. Even if you have found yourself in a bad place because of what you've done, the decisions and the choices that you've made, God still has a plan for you. (laughs) Now, uh, glory to God. Know this, that that, that the people around you may, may have written you off. But God has not. God has not. And he's able. This is good stuff. Good stuff. See, so so what do we know? God has a good plan for you. Always. Now, let's let's fast forward to, to John, the third chapter. 
Now, the, the setting of this passage is, 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 is Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, and, and Jesus is uh, just talking to him about salvation, uh, he's, and, 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 and if, you, if, you, if, you, if you read the New Testament, you'll find that the religious leanings of the children of Israel, it's harsh, man. It was harsh. They were, they were into stoning people. I mean, if you, if you got out of line, if you, if, you, if you weren't doing the right things, you were going to be stoned. You were going to be killed. There was, there was this arrogance and this religious arrogance that, that infiltrated. And, and you know, we can, we can find ourselves wrapped up in that. We can forget the grace that God has laid in our hearts and cha- in which he changed us. And we can, we can look at people who are failing and making mistakes and look at them and say, And forget the grace and the love of God. Okay? You see, and that was, that was the setting. That was the tenor. That was the atmosphere, the religious atmosphere of Israel at the time. And, and in response to Nicodemus' questions, one of the things that Jesus said, he says, For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that he might that he but that the world might be saved through him see what's God's plan for the world oh I know we can get all wrapped up in the book of Revelation fire God just burn it all up there's desperate sinners how to just kill them all in Jesus name You don't mind if I play a little bit, do you? <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, can't we get to that point? Can we get so self-righteous that we just, we just you know, I, I know we get frustrated when we see the world and all the things that are happening in the world, and it's frustrating, it's spiritually frustrating. But we got to remember, God came to save. God came to save. God came to deliver. God came to rescue. So what's his plan? Is it a good plan? It's a plan to rescue. It's a plan to save. It's a good plan. Whenever we speak of God, we speak of of him in relationship to ourselves. We've got to understand who he is and what his purposes are. And it applies to you. Little old you. Little old me. He's come to save the world. Now, what are some of the, now this is kind of a general principle, but what are some of the things that God wants? It's like, say, if I, I want to make some decisions in my life, some, you know, processes. You know, what's he want me to do? Let me just touch on a few passages of Scripture. Um, first of all, if you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ, know this, that, that the first thing is that it's God's will that you be saved. That's an interesting term. You know, in some churches they call it confirmed. Uh, be, become a believer. Uh, you know, I don't become a Christian. God's will that you, is is that you become born again. That's what the Scripture says. It says he said Jesus said in in John the third chapter that I that I was kind of alluding to earlier. He says unless a man is man or a woman is born again, they'll not enter into the kingdom of God. God wants you in the kingdom of God. God God has sent His Son into the world so that you would not die. 
but that anyone who would believe and trust in him would not die but have everlasting life. It was that simple. That simple. Jesus came to save. So it's his, his will for you today. Let's not get into, you know, we can, we can talk about what school to go to, where to where, what you're going to do in your, with your future, but let's get the foundation built. God's purpose and his good plan for you is that you be saved, that you would, would, you, you would take advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Does that make sense to you? It's his will that you be saved. First, it's, it's for Second Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slacknesses, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but uh, that all men would come to repentance. Ephesians 5 tells us that it's God's will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I recognize that uh, in, in, in the church today, in the big church today, uh, people, are, people have a tendency to think of this as like, okay, you know, I'm a Presbyterian. We don't do that. Okay? Or I'm a Baptist. We don't do that. Let's, let's get rid of the labels. What's the scripture say? It says, it, it, it says in this passage that it says, it is, let, let's read it real quick. Just so you'll know I'm not playing here. The time is short. The days are evil. Wherefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk. Be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's just one passage out of many that I could relate to you. God's will is that you be filled with the Spirit. Now, now, is that a good thing? Let me tell you something. It's a good thing. When you're baptized, when you're filled with the Spirit, it's a good thing. Everything else, all the difficulties, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, all the things that are challenging you in your heart. I mean, I recognize some of those things don't go away, but I want you to know you find, you find an edge over the top. You understand? You get victory. You get strength. You get power. You get, you get a little more insight into what the Word of God is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying. You, you will have direction that you didn't have before. You will have power that you didn't have before. See? It's a good thing. God's will is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we're still talking about foundation. We're not talking about what school to go to in the fall. I know we want to race there. Okay? What's God's will for me? Let's get this thing down. God's will is that you be saved. God's will is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get that taken care of before we move on into what color of socks I'm going to wear next week. Okay? We, we, we're, we're, we're concentrating perhaps on the wrong things. Another thing here. Here's an interesting word. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Three, it says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. He said, I want you to abstain from sexual sin. Everyone should be able to p- possess your vessel in yourself in sanctification, honor, handle your body with, in such a way that it, that it, it honors God. Don't, like the, don't act like the godless pagans. I'm just kind of running through here. He says, it's God's will that you be sanctified. And that's an interesting word, isn't it? <sighs> sanctified is what happens on the inside. When we, when, we, when we decide to follow God and walk in obedience, 
what's he's going to do with us. Let me, let me just, I don't mind being transparent, okay? Um, when I gave my heart to Christ, um, I was not the same person I am now, and hopefully I'm not the same person that I will be as God continues to work on me, okay? Sanctification is that process as God is working in you. Now, it's other than liberty. We're saved. We're saved. You accept Christ, you're saved. God wants to sanctify and wants to purge, okay? Why? Because you're made, he's, the Holy Spirit's making you like Jesus, okay? For instance, let me, let me just give you some, 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 I hope they're not too dirty, de- too, too, dark de- too many dark details about my own life, but I, I, I can't share about you. I can't say, well, let's talk about Jim today, okay? <laughs> I don't think Jim would like it, okay? Uh, not that we have anything to talk about without Jim, but, but you understand the principle here. I remember, I mean, when I gave my heart to Christ, I was, I was smoking dope, I was drinking, I was, you know, doing a whole lot of bad uh, things that, that weren't all good for me. How about that? And the Holy Spirit began to say, that needs to go, this needs to go, that needs to go. You know, I, I want you to know I, I pushed back a little bit. Do you understand what I mean by that? When he begins to put his hand on something in your life, you squirm like, like, and, and cry like a little girl. <laughs> Don't take that as offense, young girls. <laughs> huh? You understand, you understand. It's just like we, we give pushback. God, but I don't want that. You know, I, don't, I want to continue to do that. Or I want to do this, or I want to do that. And, and what's God trying to do? He says, well, okay, all right. Continue to drink, Bill, if you want. He didn't say it that way, but say, for instance, I, well, I would have been a hopeless alcoholic. You know, hey, if you want to know, uh, if you want to know about the evils of such and, and, and the kind of things that that happens, ride with any policeman on a Friday, Saturday night. God wanted more for me to, than that. It says, I have a good plan for you. That wasn't a part of it. In spite of how I might have wrestled against him. I mean, we could go through, you know, I've talked to you about the things that, I, you know, I used to, the, the books that I've read and stuff, and God would say, no, nah, that's not good for you. I want that kind of stuff in your brain. You know, I'm not going to come and tell you, and give you a library list and say, these are the kind of things you... This, some of these things are, are, come to you, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not, these things come to you as a result of your inter- intermixing with the Holy Spirit. As you get close to him, he speaks to you. Now, but the principles of purity and the principles of holiness and principles of are very clear in the scriptures. Okay? Now, I could, now there's a falseness here. Okay, when we talk about sanctifications, like some people say, God, God begins to deal with you about the way you dress, and you say, so you start adopting maybe a, a more modest style of dress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? And then somebody says, well, Brother Blair's a Christian. He dresses that way, so I'm going to dress that way. Well, I dress that way because of what he has done inside of me. Kind of like I remember I was in the, on the streets of Singapore one time, and I don't know what got into me, but this guy was selling watches. They were Rolexes. Man, 25 bucks a piece. Rolexes. 25, yeah. I bought two. <laughs> I knew that they weren't real. I bought one for each of my father, my father, and my father in law. I knew they'd wear them. 
uh, you know, I knew they were, they were you know, it's like, the truth was they were pretty good electric watches, and they were heavy stainless steel, and, but they weren't Rolexes. <laughs> Didn't say real X, it said Rolex on them, it wasn't. I want you to know that it looked right, but the insides were wrong. It's, that's the same thing that happens to us when we see a believer and we begin to take on the, the, the exterior accoutrements. You know, in other words, you know, uh, Sister Blair, she wears a jumper all the time, so that becomes the, the, the dress code. But inside, nothing's changed. God wants to sanctify us. By the Holy Spirit, it is His will that we walk in obedience to the prompting of His Holy Spirit. And it's only then, and when it happens that kind of way, that you walk in some kind of freedom. If you just kind of put on the clothes, you're just as bound as someone who is in the chains of sin. Do you get the the message that God wants to do this? Sanctification, that's what sanctification is, God's purpose for you, God's plan. It's a good thing. It's God's will that you be submissive. God's will, and I'm just going to kind of rapidly, you know that there's, sometimes there's suffering involved in this. Anybody tells you that if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to suffer, you're not going to suffer, they haven't read the New Testament, man. You know, they just haven't read the New Testament. And it says, well, look, if your suffering is because you're, you're sinning, well, that, that's possible too. But sometimes you suffer just because of righteousness. The scripture's real clear about that. And the cool thing is in the book of Romans is after you've suffered a while, God will make you perfect. God's, got a, God's even got a plan, a good part of a plan that, that involves the things that happen to you when you endure uh, uh, suffering. God works in you. God changes you. God makes, you know, it's it's amazing what he makes flowers out of. It's amazing what he does. And it's all as you follow him, as you give yourself to him, he does these things. I've just got so much. It's God's will that you be a thankful person. Now, see, I just threw all these things out. These are biblical things that God says, God's will. That, that these things take place in your life. Okay? That you, in a sense, walk in obedience to these things. That's about God's preferred future. This is the foundational thing. Okay? That you walk with him. Now, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way of thinking that if, you know, what is it that I can't, you know, what, is God, what, do, I, what do I want to do? If God is working in me this way, God's speaking to me this way, you know, I mean, should I go left? Should I go right? Should, look, do what, do what, do whatever comes to heart, your heart and your mind. Because if you're walking in obedience with God, if you've given yourself to Him in salvation, you've allowed you, you've 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 allowed Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Him and being obedient to Him. You say, well, what is it that I, do I turn left, turn, whatever you want. Who do you think is controlling your heart when you give your heart to him? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? 
That when you're, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, when you're, when you're submitting to God in, in these kind of like these, 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 these wrestling things of sanctification and you're trying to be obedient to, to your word, when the things that come up in your mind say, look, I need to go left or right, who do you think that is? It's the scripture tells us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that a lot of us are thinking, wow, he's going to let me have the lottery. He's going to win the lottery. You know, you've got to play to win, right? Uh, it's not that at all. What happens when you walk with God in this way? Many of the thoughts that you have are God thoughts because you've submitted yourself to him. In fact, if, if, let, me, let me put it this way. When you're, when you're intended on sinning, who do you think is saying, don't do it? Don't do it. When you're tempted to the left or the right, uh, where's that voice coming from that, that you're pushing aside? That's God. He's there. He's speaking. You belong to him. Okay? So his preferred future for you is good. All right. Now, here's a principle. Let me, let me, let me. Proverbs 16. Your preferred future. The plans of the heart belong to man. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs his motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Do you catch that? You commit your ways, your, your plans to the Lord, and your, he says, your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Let's move down to verse 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord... He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Powerful stuff. Okay. Perfume virtue, future. Make some plans. Go forward. Now, I want one more principle I want to throw at you here. I think just one more. The principle, yes. The principle of dropping the anchor. You knew I was going to get the Navy in here. You need to drop the anchor. Okay? What in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Drop the anchor. Yeah, well, the anchor keeps you in one place, right? I mean, it was designed to do that. But in order to go forward, sometimes you have to drop the anchor. Now, here's a passage of Scripture that I think is, 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 uh, is, is important. It's, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's just Paul's going on. He's talking about the power of the resurrection. He's talking about ministry. And verse 13 in Philippians, the third chapter, if we go there, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as as having laid a hold of it yet. And he's talking about salvation, the, the, the whole deal. He says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. For the prize of the, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, now that's dropping the anchor. Now, what, why, why do I say it that way? The past is an anchor. I mean, there's some good things about the past, right? There's some bad things about the past. But there's nothing I can do about the past. Okay? And if I spend all of my time thinking about the past and letting, and letting that determine my present and my future. I'll never get anything done. Is that true? Is that true? Now, 
Uh, I mean, here's the interesting thing. The older we get, the more past we have and the more we're inclined to think about it. Anybody with me on that one? Facebook is abomination for that. I mean, it's like, okay. I just came back from my 40th, uh, 40th uh, reunion. Talk about the past. Like I told you, they're just old, old folks at, at that thing. It's like, it's, it's all this celebration of the past. There's nothing wrong with that, except you can't live there. The past or that anchor of the past will keep you from going forward. Keep you from seeing what God sees. You might look in the mirror and see, well, and, and, and your past comes flooding in as you look in the mirror, as you wake up at 2 a.m. and you think about the mistakes that you've made with your life and you're thinking about what a cruddy person this person that I'm looking at is. And you don't see the, God, the, the person that God sees. God showed up on the edge of a place and there's a hole in the ground. There's a guy down there Beating, beating the, the, the beating his crops because he was hiding from the people who would steal him. And God, through the angel, spoke says, Hail, O courageous man of God. See, he knew the future. Gideon only knew the past. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what your past was, but I, I, I guarantee you that God, the one who resurrects things from the dead, would look at your past and say, that will not limit your future. Does that make sense to us? We've got to drop the anchor. We've got to, we've got to cut the, the chain that's holding us back. And then and what is that? I forget that which is behind. I press forward. I understand the context is, is about the ministry and the high calling of Jesus, but that high calling of Jesus is on each and every person in this room. He may not have called you to be an apostle, may have simply called, uh, may have, and I, I don't want to say simply, may have called you to serve him with faithfulness right there in that machine shop or right there in that office. Or right there on the, wherever it is that you were in. Once you know that's where the salt lies, that changes the world. See, you don't know what God has for you. You got to drop the anchor. Forget. Forget. You know, I know I can't really forget the past, but I, but I've got to make an intentional decision, a choice, to drop that anchor and go forward. You've got to understand. We've got to know. Got enough, stand with me. Musicians. <laughs> oh, glory to God. What kind of choices do you need to make today? Based upon the things that I've shared with you in Scripture, what kind of choices do you need to make today that will change the fu- your, your, your future? I can't drag. The only reason I drag Bill, old Bill Blair around is every once in a while I would prop him up and show you what kind of a bum he was and what, and, and what God could change. Okay? But I don't want to drag him around forever, allowing him to hold me back from what God wants or what God is putting in my heart. What, what, what powerful thing in my life that he wants to do. You know, 
Some of it's spiritual, some of it's just regular practical stuff. I'll talk about Bonnie. Bonnie sits on second row. I don't know what her, ed, her educational background was, but she had a dream. <laughs> I'm sure there are people in her life, and I'm, I know that there were people in, in her extended family who would look at her and say, ah, you can't, you can't achieve more than you're achieving. But she dropped that anchor and went forward. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to drop the anchor, folks, and let God, and, and let the God who loves you and has a good plan for you to set you free. If you're here, you've never given your heart to Christ. What was God's will for you? Get saved. Come. Pray with me. I'll pray with you. God will change your life. And I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come. Allow him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. If there are things that he's been working on in your life, he's been challenging you with and say, look, you need to give that up. Or you need to simply submit that to me. Come, submit it to him. Drop the anchor. You may have looked at your past. You may have been a prostitute. You may have been a drug addict. You may have been this. You may have been a liar, a cheat, a steal. I mean, have I got everybody covered here? <laughs> Drop the anchor. God has a better plan for you. God has a better plan for you. And it begins, and it begins with a choice. It begins with a choice. It begins with a choice. This altar is open. And let's worship. Let's worship. If you're here and you want to pray, you hear you want to make a choice, come. Come. I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. Have the courage to make a choice. For God's preferred future. Your preferred future. Let's not settle with the, for the past. Cut the anchor chain. Cut the anchor chain. <laughs> Let's worship him. Let's worship him.